You're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast devoted to equipping the members of Emmaus Road Church to make and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ in the city of Sioux Falls. The people of Emmaus Road are committed to regular rhythms of gathering and scattering. We gather corporately in worship on Sunday mornings. We gather in missional communities and discipleship huddles, and we scatter throughout our city where we want to give every resident of Sioux Falls repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hello, everybody. You're listening to another episode of Make and Multiply. My name is Matt Groon. I serve as one of the pastors at Emmaus Road Church. And I'm joined again this morning with my dear friend, Ryan Chase, senior pastor at Emmaus. And we are going to jump right in to a listener question. This is a great question. When this came through the forum, I was like, this, this is a good one, especially here at the beginning of the year as we consider, as we considered last week, New Year's resolutions and how to, to live our lives according to God's grace, but yet progress in the faith. Now, here's a, a listener's question. I'll just, I'll read the question and then we'll, we'll dive in. So this listener asks, could you talk about feelings of guilt, <laughs> which is such a great way of saying, mm. is there a proper sense of guilt and an improper sense of guilt? I often hear of people who dismiss their feelings of guilt because, quote, and this is from Romans 8, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. However, by dismissing guilt as something a Christian should never feel or experience, are they missing out on the comfort of the gospel? That is a fantastic question. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it's helpful because there is, I think underneath that is asking, it feels like there's some misunderstanding about what the word guilt means. Um, so maybe let's, let's start there. Let's start, let's define some terms, right? In your, in your thoughts, mm-hmm. um, how do you understand or conceptualize of what, what is guilt? Yeah. I think a basic paradigm that's been really helpful for me personally, as well as in pastoral care and counseling for people is, um, these, these two categories. Guilt is what I feel when I sin and bitterness is what I tend to feel when I'm sinned against, or I think I've been sinned against. And in that sense, then, um, I know something about every person I meet. They could be a total stranger, but I know that they are familiar with that feeling of guilt and Mm. Bitterness. Bitterness is another topic, so we'll leave that aside. But guilt is what I feel when I do wrong or now, I think, think I've done wrong. Which is excellent. I think that's exactly right. Is that how Romans 8 is talking about guilt? Mm. That's Because I think that's what's behind the question is, because I think you're exactly right. Like mm-hmm. Guilt is that proper mm-hmm. feeling, the natural feeling I feel when I know I've done something wrong, when right. I've sinned. Is that the same thing as the Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation? Yeah. Are, are those two things, I mean, could you, could you translate it? There's now therefore no guilt for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I, I think there's a difference between the proper emotion I feel when I know, or the proper experience of yeah. guilt, and maybe moving more towards like a proper sense of shame mm-hmm. of having done something I know is wrong, to condemnation or that legal declaration of guilty, of yeah. guilt that then leads to a penalty, which in, in, in biblical, in Paul's language in Romans, in the book of Romans, you know, this is coming from Romans eight throughout the earlier in the Romans, he says the wages of sin is death. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a help to me. That's the first distinction in my mind, I think is how you just described guilt of the proper feeling I feel when I'm, when I sin Mm -hmm. and how Paul is using it in Romans eight of there is no, there, there is now therefore no death penalty, no 
guilty verdict laid on you because of Christ's work. And I think that's where the confusion happens is because that declaration in Romans 8 is beautiful and it is the bedrock of our assurance and of our experience as Christians. And yet there's still an ongoing feeling of guilt, right? Mm -hmm. Like I still feel guilt, like you said, when I sin. Yeah. But does that mean now my assurance is in question? I think that's where categories tend to get crossed. Yeah, I would say the gospel does address the problem of guilt. Hmm. Uh, and I think Romans 8.1 is related to that solution, that in Christ our guilt is dealt with, hmm. um, that when the penalty for sin is paid for and removed, then it really is possible to be free from guilt. Hmm. But the question is, how do you go from guilty? So, so guilt is a, a legal status. Right. Um, you are guilty when you have violated God's law. So sin is breaking God's law, letter of the spirit of, of God's law, um, violating his commandments. So that's what sin is. And when you sin, then you are guilty. You don't just feel guilty. So I think there are two right. important distinctions there. Um, one is the legal status. I right. have broken God's law, whether I feel guilt or not. Right. You know, it's possible to have a seared conscience that just doesn't even feel shame, doesn't right. feel bad about it at all. Um, that's one thing. The feeling of guilt is just kind of the, the, the general standard human response when you know you've done something wrong and it can be a mix of shame and embarrassment, right. fear of being found out, dread of punishment or consequence that's coming for that, all, all of those awful feelings. Uh, and the gospel does hold out a solution for that. I think what this question is getting at is the shortcut that a lot of times uh, people want to take through what uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer called cheap grace, yeah. where it's just kind of a quick, um, you just slap grace on it and say, there is no guilt. Uh, you're, you're fine. Carry on. Right. Uh, so keep sinning, keep violating God's law, and don't worry about it. Right. Not that people necessarily put it in those terms, right. but there's kind of a short circuit there where the sin has not really been dealt with right. in God's way. So God has made provision for our sin and our guilt that comes with our sin uh, in Christ Jesus, and it's possible to be free from guilt when we deal with sin God's way, right. not short-circuiting it by just saying, no big deal. And so I, I think the listener's right to perceive, um, we want to be careful there where there is a conviction of sin right. and a feeling of guilt. Uh, to pay attention to that, and then to take steps to deal with our sin God's way, hmm. not by excusing it, not by sweeping it under the rug, but by confessing it and being forgiven. So th- the way to be free from guilt is to be forgiven by God. Right. Yeah, that's that's helpful. And that, that really is, <clears throat> you know, that idea of guilt. Jim Wilson in his excellent book, How to Be Free. And then in, in it, he has all these categories, how to be free from anxiety, how to be free from bitterness, as you described. But then he also has a chapter on how to be free from guilt. And in that, he, he diagnoses, uh, he, he looks at Psalm 32, 1 through 5, where it talks about, there's two conditions the psalmist talk, talks about, those who are uh, confession leading to forgiveness and silence leading to his bones wasting away. Yeah. Like th- that is, those are two conditions. And Essentially, he comes to the point of like, the normal Christian life is a life of joy. Mm-hmm. That's what James is trying to get at in James 1 of counted all 
all joy, my brothers, no matter your circumstances, that your joy as a Christian is not dependent on your circumstances. Mm-hmm. Like if, well, if I just had, if I had a different circumstance, then I'd be joyous. That, that's, that's James's entire point in James 1 is that, no, your circumstances are not tied to your joy because your joy comes from Christ. Uh, so all of life is a life of joy. And yet when I, when I sin, there is a, there is a diminishing of joy, right? There's a, there's an, there's a, a lessening of joy. Uh, that's why, well, so the question is then, how do you get that joy back? Right. <laughs> how do you get that joy back? And the process throughout the entire Bible is confession mm-hmm. and faith. He highlights David's confession, his famous confession in Psalm 51, where at the end of it, he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a, a willing spirit. Yep. I think that's getting to the root of it. And if we, like you said, just delete guilt out of a reaction to and out of a, a right reaction of not wanting to be legalistic mm-hmm. like this process is not transactional like as long as i do this god will give me this it's rather as we've said over and over and over again like a doctor to a patient if you take this medicine he, here's here's what is promised to you and the question really at the core of it is do i trust the doctor yeah. do i trust the remedy so do i if God has, in his wisdom and in his revelation, revealed this process of repentance and faith. So uh, Wilson, he gives a six-step process of like the whole of it. One, we sin or disobey. Two, God disciplines us in, in that. Three, which by the way, he disciplines those he loves, mm-hmm. as, as the Bible says. Three, we lose our joy or God takes it away in order to get our attention so that we will then, number four confess and repent. And that's where like that lack of joy, that feeling of guilt can actually serve as like a check engine light of, mm-hmm. man, I've, is there some unrepentant sin that I'm, are there, is there somebody I'm out of fellowship with? Is it, is it my wife? Is it my kids? So that we would confess and repent. Number five, if we are faithful to ask for that forgiveness, he is faithful to forgive. So we then are forgiven. And then number six, as, as was true of David, we have our joy restored. Guilt is taken away. And yeah. And we experience the freeness of being, of walking in the light as he is in the light. Yeah. So all that biblical language is coming through that. And guilt, as described here, the proper understanding of it is such a key factor in that process. Uh, yes, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. There, at no point are we excommunicated from that family. It's not like I failed, therefore I'm no longer saved, and now I have to work my way back in. Right. That, that's not the relationship at all, but rather, as, as as it's been said, that it's like a father disciplining those he loves. Mm-hmm. It's how to be restored back into fellowship with the family or back into fellowship with God, and guilt is a really key category in that. Yeah, yeah. so it's important not to be too quick to just uh, apply cheap grace and say, well, Christ died for my sins, so I shouldn't feel any guilt. Right. Um, the Holy Spirit uses the Spirit is the one who convicts us of our sin, hmm. so that we respond in repentance and faith. Um, through popular psychology uh, over the last century plus, through people like Freud and Skinner and Rogers, hmm. um, you, you know, I, I think our culture has really embraced this idea that guilt is something other people make me feel with their standards. Mm-hmm. And therefore, uh, a big phrase that's been used a lot is uh, the category of false guilt. 
I, I feel guilty, but it's it's false. It's because other people have these standards, and maybe I was raised in a, a, a too strict of a household, mm-hmm. or I you know I come from a religious background, and so I've got these moral standards, and and I just need to get free from that. And so oppressive, it, right? Yeah. So it's all oppressive, and and really guilt is just I, nobody should feel guilty. You should just be free, and somehow you got to shake off these ideas that are still entangled in your mind and making you feel guilty. And Jay Adams, who's regarded as kind of the, the father of the modern biblical counseling um, movement, is, I think, really, really helpful when he says, um, really, if, if you feel guilty, you are. Mm. Um, because he would point to, like, Romans 14, anything that does not come from faith is sin. So one way to help helpfully evaluate guilty feelings is, one, did I break... God's law. Sometimes it really is true that you, you feel guilty, but you didn't actually break any of God's commands. But wherever you feel guilt, you probably did something that you thought was wrong and you did it anyway. Yeah. Even if you come to find out, oh, actually that's not God's standard. That was just a, a house rule mm. that you know my parents made up or whatever. Um, but you you feel guilt because you, you think you did something wrong mm. and you did it anyway. So certainly it, it didn't come from faith. Right. And so when you start there and you pay attention to that guilt, then you can begin to address it in God's way. Mm. And I think the other piece that's missing often in a full biblical uh, gospel-powered freedom from guilt is a biblical confession of sin. Mm. Uh it's just way more comfortable to tell ourselves, well, I will confess that to God and then that's good enough. Um, so, you know, somebody who's in an extreme example, um, had an affair and, and then they just go to church and say, well, I'll confess my sin to God and he forgives me. Jesus died for me. I shouldn't feel guilt. Romans eight, one, there's no condemnation in Christ. Everything's fine without, ever confessing to your spouse, <laughs> that, right. that would be a problem. And if guilt lingers and you're trying to figure out why, it would be because uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about confession of sin between you and God as a way of deceiving yourself, mm. where you haven't actually confessed it to God. You haven't been honest with God. Right. You just confessed it to yourself. And now you're trying to convince yourself that you're forgiven. And oftentimes it's by being honest with other people that we're actually honest in front of God. Hmm. And so confession of sin should be, the the, the biblical standard is, uh, it, it should be as public as the sin. Or hmm. another way to think about it is, who did I sin against? That's where I should confess my sin. So when James says, confess your sins to one another, I, I don't think that primarily means find an accountability partner and bear all of your soul's secrets to right. that person. I, I think it primarily means when you sin against somebody, go confess to the person you sinned against hmm. and acknowledge to them, I did this, God says it's wrong, so I'm wrong and I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, you, you confess to the person that you sinned against. So sometimes other people are affected. You know, it's, I could lose my patience with my wife in front of my kids. And, and so even though my sin is against God ultimately and against my wife... Who else saw it? Who else mm. was affected by it? My confession should address them mm. as well. And I think that's a piece that's missing often right. in confession, where if it's just kind of in my mind between me and God, but actually I sinned against somebody else and I haven't yet confessed it to that person, right. um, that could be a reason that guilt lingers. Yeah, and that 
again, we want to highlight like guilt is not is a key category in this to, to serving as a diagnostic tool, if you will, to, to being honest with myself and not, you know, trying to just get rid of unpleasant feelings, right. which, which you described as cheap grace. I, the goal is not to get rid of guilt. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not the goal. If I experience guilt, the goal is not to get rid of it. The goal is to be in fellowship with, yeah. with, with God and with the community and with, with your and family. Have joy and, restored. Yeah. And have your joy restored, exactly. And key in that is the way to get rid of that guilt, the way to be freed from that guilt is repent and believe. And then to not lose heart that you're going to feel guilt again. Yeah. Because the reality is you're going to sin again. Um, that's just part of the sanctification process. It's a battle. Mm-hmm. You know, Ephesians is very clear that we need to put to death all that is earthly in you because it's trying to kill you. And it often let's say that to my kids all the time. Like, there's a dragon in your heart that's you're letting it win. Right when when one of them's whining or whatever, you're letting that dragon win. Mm-hmm. So either you put it to death, or I'll help you put it to death right. <laughs> through discipline. But yep. that, that is. That is that process, and it is a real condition of the human heart, of fallen humanity. And yet, praise be to God that He's not left us to just wallow in that guilt. Right. That we don't we we have something so much better than pop psychology or ways to numb guilt by whatever some excess or some other habit to just numb it and make it go away. Yeah. Some reorienting ourselves that we're actually the victim of the guilt that somebody else is. Mm-hmm. You know, like you were saying earlier, but. That no, God has not left us in that. He has actually given us a way to be restored. And that's we know that's possible because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. In Jesus, that's been secured for us. And so now we actually can walk in the newness of life. We can actually walk in the light as he is in the light, um, which is just such a sweet promise. And it's the, the promise of forgiveness and the removal of condemnation in Christ that enables us to overcome all of the fear that would keep us from confessing our sin, hmm. being honest to God and to others. Because isn't that fear, well, if if this person knew, or if hmm. anybody finds out, or you know, we, we think that, that this will be the end. But when you start with, in Christ there is forgiveness, it, it's, it's the evidence, confessing our sins to others is the evidence that we really are trusting that in Christ all of our sins are going to be removed. All of our guilt is going to be taken away. I would just add one other category that I think um, may keep people from experiencing full fullness of joy restored and freedom from guilt. And that is uh, um, an often neglected part of confession today, um, which is restitution. Hmm. If you've wronged somebody and there's some restitution that needs to be made to make things right... Um, without that, oftentimes guilt lingers. And again, to use an, an obvious example, if, if somebody steals $1,000 um, and, and then they feel convicted, they feel guilty about it, um, say they took it out of the till working at some cash, cash register, um, if they go home and in the privacy of their own room, get on their knees and pray to God, this was wrong. Please forgive me. Hmm. That's good. That's a right recognition of wrongdoing. And then if they keep the thousand dollars and spend it, yeah, um, and, and the guilt still lingers, but they keep trying to you know, confess, pr- preach the gospel to themselves and mm. say, "Well, but Jesus died for me, so it's okay." There's a reason 
the guilt is still there. Right. Uh, because the thousand dollars is is not theirs, and confessing it to God does not turn that money into your money. Right. <laughs> you still took it from somebody else, and so the next right thing to do, or the the fruit of repentance and the evidence of godly confession, would be returning the money to That's your good. employer, admitting I took this, that was wrong. I accept whatever legal consequences you want to press against me. And again, those are the things that keep us, like Bonhoeffer says, we would much rather tell ourselves we can just deal with all these things between us and God mm. because there might be consequences real, real consequences that come yeah. with things. Um, and yet it's the gospel that moves us toward that. And I, this is where I think, again, there's just a lot of misunderstanding that people think, well, isn't this like works righteousness? Then I have to mm. go do this thing to, to really be forgiven. No, it's not returning the money that earns forgiveness. Christ died for your forgiveness. And when you trust that's true, the fruit of that produces this change, right. actual repentance. Um, and and when, I think that's just missing in a lot of teaching on confession yeah. and reconciliation, and having right. a category for restitution. Um, but if you if you want the joy of your salvation restored, then be sensitive to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and yeah. put things right by God's grace. Yeah, it's like trying to... It's, again, another attempt to get rid of the guilt, not God's way. Right. In any way but God's way. Yeah, and you the, short-circuit it, and then you wonder why it doesn't work. Right, and, and the promise of the gospel is that if you want to be freed from guilt, here's how. And like we said, the, the hope of that is not in my efforts. It's not transactional. If, you, right. if you do this, then you earn your forgiveness. No, rather, you, you are forgiven, therefore... Do this. Yeah. Um, and that's good news. So great question from yes. that listener. Yes. Uh, keep them coming. Uh, Want to highlight again that form. I'll probably post it again on Realm here coming up to, to put it back at the top of people's feeds to remind you. Uh, we do read those, and these are just such helpful questions that are so integral to the Christian life. Like, I need to know how to be free from guilt every single day because right. <laughs> I sin every single day. And by God's grace, he forgives again and again. So... Thank you for that question, and Ryan, thanks for your help. Yes. Thanks for listening to Make and Multiply. If you have questions about anything related to discipleship huddles or missional communities or gospel fluency, you can reach out to your missional community leader. And if you're not yet plugged into gospel community at Emmaus Road, visit us online at EmmausRoadSF.com.